Other girls, in high school and in college, had suitors, even beaux. Though Margie had never thought of such a thing for herself. Her parents would have forbidden it, for one. And for two, who would look at her? With her fat ankles and her broad shoulders. When there were girls like Elizabeth Tabb or Lucinda Spencer around delicate little things with the girlish smile of Mary Pickford and dramatic eyes like Gloria Swanson. But that night, listening to the rustle of the silk against her petticoat as she walked slowly down the stairs, her head held high under the unfamiliar weight of a tiara, she thought she might for once be worth looking at. This was it, she thought. This was the night her life would begin. At the hotel, the debutantes waited in an anteroom. Some of their dresses, Margie thought as she looked around, were shockingly modern. Casual, even. A loose flow of fabric draping over their bodies without pause, making them look elegantly boyish and square. The dressmaker had offered Margie a similar gown, It's the newest fashion, the woman had said, showing a dress of thin satin with a lace overlay, loose and flowing. Margie's mother had been horrified. You can't even wear a corset under that. About the corset, Margie didn't mind, as she was rather fond of breathing, but she did mind that tender afterthought of a dress. It looked so plain compared to the gown she had imagined. And it was all well and good for someone who looked chic in dresses like the one the pleading designer was holding out to her. Those women didn't have broad shoulders or large bosoms or muscular calves like she did. Margie knew well what she would look like in that kind of dress. But clearly a number of the other girls had been brave enough to take the plunge. Anne Delaney and Elsie Mills, who had been the first to bob their hair, to their mother's fury and everyone else's shock, were of course wearing those dresses, and of course, being tall and so slender, looked stunning. They were lounging on a pair of fainting couches, as though the very thought of the evening exhausted them. Two other girls in shorter dresses huddled together by an open window, smoking and she was fairly sure the flask they were sharing wasn't lemonade. And another cluster of girls in more traditional gowns stood at the opposite end of the room, pretending to talk while catching admiring glimpses of themselves in the mirror above the fireplace. Feeling desperate, Margie kept looking for someone she knew well enough to sit with, until she spied Grace Scott and Emily Harrison Palmer, with whom she had gone to school until the ninth grade, when she had left for Abbott Academy and they for Miss Porter's. Their dresses were as formal and old-fashioned as hers, and she felt a sense of relief as she settled down on a sofa beside them, the slight and familiar tremor she had felt upon comparing herself to the others, girls who would always be more beautiful, more fashionable, more right than she was, fading. Who are they? Margie whispered, leaning forward and cocking her head toward the smokers. Southern, Emily Harrison said, 
with a touch of haughty contempt. Which was rich, considering her parents had come to Washington from Atlanta, and her mother had an accent so thick you could have spread it on toast. But those girls, she said, nodding toward the group at the fireplace, are European royals. Can you believe it? Minor, of course. Rumor has it they're making the rounds looking for husbands here because their parents are flat broke. Don't gossip, Emily Harrison, Grace scolded. Grace had always been overly kind. The sort of girl teachers selected to pal around with the new student and prone to fits of tears over the tiniest of disappointments. I'm sure they're perfectly nice. I didn't say they weren't perfectly nice. I said they were perfectly broke. Emily.